You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. John chapter 4. We're in John chapter 4. We're looking at verses 43 through 54 this morning. I hope you have a copy of God's Word with you, and you can just uh, open that up there to John chapter 4, and we're looking at verses 43 through 54. A few weeks ago, Brenda and I were, uh, we were, took an Uber ride from the airport back home, and uh, we got to know our driver pretty quick. That's what we like to do, and we learned that he was a Muslim, and um, so we started talking to him about Jesus. That's what we like to do. We like to talk to our Uber drivers about Jesus, and uh, he was super excited to talk about Jesus. He didn't, there was no way that he didn't want to talk about Jesus. He had all these great things to say about Jesus, and I just sat and listened to him talk about how amazing Jesus is. He talked about that Jesus was a holy prophet. He said that Jesus was born of a virgin. He believed that Jesus performed miracles. He, said, he believed that Jesus ascended to heaven, and he even believed that Jesus was coming back one day. Wow. But the more we talked about Jesus, the more and more we talked about Jesus, it became evident to us that the Jesus he was talking about was not the Jesus that we know. There are many different ideas and beliefs about who Jesus is. And we're in the middle of this sermon series called That You May Believe, seven signs in the Gospel of John, the seven sign miracles that were performed by Jesus in John chapters 1 through 11. And John, the writer of this Gospel, says in John chapter 20, verse 31, that this was the reason or the purpose as to why he recorded these seven signs. He says, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Read that again. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Who you believe Jesus is, is really important. It's vitally important. Last week in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, we saw how Jesus turned water into wine. Wow, man, I wish I had been there you have a front seat to that, Jesus turning water into wine. And it says in John chapter 2 that when he did that, his glory was manifested. And today, in John chapter 4, verses 43 through 54, we see the second sign that Jesus performs that's recorded for us, and it's the healing of the official's son. And we're going to see in this story that there are two very different beliefs about who Jesus is. Some people believe in Jesus as a miracle worker. We're going to see this in this story. But we're also going to see that Jesus wants us to believe in him as more than a miracle worker. He actually wants us to see him as the Savior, the Christ, the Son of God. It says in John 4.46, you can see these words in John 4.46, it says that Jesus is coming again to Cana in Galilee. So we've got the second sign. The second sign is in Cana in Galilee. The first sign was in Cana in Galilee. I wonder what Jesus was doing in between the first sign in Cana in Galilee and the second sign. So to the trusty map, maps are always important. 
really helpful for us here. Here we see in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, Jesus is in Cana. After he performs that miracle, he takes a bit of a break with his disciples and his family and goes to Capernaum. I don't know what they were doing. It doesn't really say what they were doing. Maybe they're having a retreat, a family retreat. I have no idea what they're doing. But what happens next is the Passover happens in Jerusalem, so Jesus hightails it down to Jerusalem with his disciples. When he's in Jerusalem, he goes into the temple, and the temple's a mess, and so he just clears the temple out. He just clears the temple out, and he also, though, performs miracles, performs these amazing miracles. In fact, it says in John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. So they see these miracles that Jesus is doing, and it says that some actually believed in his name. But then it says this in verse 24, But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them. So they're saying they're believing in Jesus, but Jesus is saying, I'm not believing in you. I'm not entrusting myself to you because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So he's performing all these miracles, and, he, and the people are responding to that, but Jesus sees their hearts. They're seeking the miracles of Jesus, not really believing fully in Jesus. And so from Jerusalem, he decides that he wants to go back to Galilee, but he's going to go through the area called Samaria, and he ends up in this city called Sychar in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, he meets this woman at the well. You know that story, right? Some of you know that story about the woman at the well, and her life gets totally transformed because she meets Jesus. But not only does her life get transformed, actually the whole town gets, there's, there's like a revival breaks out in the town. You can read that in John chapter 4, verses 39 through 42. It gets so awesome there. It says that the Samaritans of Sychar, after they're, they're confronted with Jesus, they begin to declare that Jesus is the Savior of the world. The Samaritans are declaring that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And then this brings us back to where we are today, back to Cana again. So that's what Jesus was doing. He was doing these things as he's working his way back through this. And so we're back in Cana, back in the area of Galilee. And we know what the people of Sychar, the Samaritans, thought about Jesus, what they believed about Jesus, because they said he was the Savior of the world. The question we have is, what are the people of Galilee people that Jesus is coming back to, actually, G G Jesus' people. What do they believe about Jesus? Well, they don't believe he's a savior. They believe he's a miracle worker. And here's our first point. It's possible that you could be attracted to Jesus, the miracle worker. It's possible that you could be here this morning, and the reason why you're here this morning is because you're attracted to Jesus, the miracle worker. Look what it says in verse 43. After the two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans, Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. 
So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made water wine, and at Capernaum, where, where there was an official whose son was ill. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. You could be attracted to Jesus, the miracle worker. This is certainly what the Galileans were attracted to. After two days in Sychar. Now, you understand this. Jesus is in the midst of a revival, an absolute, full-out revival is happening in this Samaritan town called Sychar. And people are turning their lives to Jesus. After two days of revival, Jesus decides that he wants to go back to Galilee. He purposed himself to go back to Galilee. But notice what it says in verse 44. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. A prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So in other words, Jesus is leaving revival, and he is going to Galilee not expecting any kind of revival at all. Right? People turn their lives over to Jesus Christ in Sychar, and Jesus says, oh, time to go. I'm going to Galilee. And by the way, prophet's not honored in his own hometown. In other words, wait, you know, where I'm going, man, there's not going to be a big revival taking place. In fact, I think he is expecting a lack of response and rejection from his own people. And yet it says in verse 45, so this is what Jesus' expectation is. In verse 45, it says, so when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They were excited to see Jesus. So Jesus is thinking one thing about these people, and yet they still welcomed him. They were excited to see Jesus. Why were they excited to see Jesus? Because the miracle worker was back in town. He had left town. He was in Cana at one point. Now he's coming back to town, back to Cana. The miracle worker is back. They had seen Jesus perform miracles. Where did they see that? They saw that when that when he was in Jerusalem, because they too had gone to the feast in Jerusalem. They were there at the Passover in Jerusalem. These are the people that Jesus is talking about in John chapter 2, verses 23 to 25, where it says they believed in him, but Jesus saw right through their belief and realized that all they cared about were the signs. They didn't care about him. The only reason they're excited to see Jesus is because, hey, the miracle worker is backed. They love Jesus, the miracle worker. They wanted the power and provision of Jesus, not the person of Jesus. They wanted Jesus' miracles, not the Messiah. They wanted the spectacular results. They were users of Jesus, not true believers in Jesus. And what was true of them could also be true of us. You could be here this morning more attracted to, more interested, and even more intrigued by Jesus the miracle worker than Jesus the Messiah. Why is that? Well, because we love the spectacular results. Right? Like, it said right there in verse, in verse 45, they, they welcomed him. They're, they're like a hungry crowd of fans crammed into a stadium waiting for a win. 
I know most of you don't know what that feels like. It's been a couple of years before that's happened. You've watched it maybe on TV or something like that. But that's exactly what they're like. They're, they're welcoming him. They're, they're expectant of a win here. I mean, the miracle worker's back, man. This is going to be awesome. They're just, they're excited to have him. They're attracted, they're attracted to the life that Jesus is bringing, to the excitement that Jesus is bringing, to the action that Jesus is bringing. And we're, we're just, we're the, we're the same way. I mean, who wants to be part of something that's dead? We want something that's, that's full of life. That's what we want. And when Jesus, the miracle worker, comes to town, man, we got lights, we got cameras, we got action. Man, like, sign me up for that. They're excited that he's back. I mean, even when we think about being part of a church where Man, I, I just long to be part of a church where we're passionately worshiping Jesus, where people are getting saved, where lots of people are getting baptized, right? Where lives are being totally transformed. I mean, as a, like for me personally, it's just been excited to be here, to hear the stories week after week, to see people declaring their love and commitment to Jesus in baptism. Hasn't that been awesome? Yeah. Clap, 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 clap. Time for clap. I say more of that, right? More of that. But there's a subtle danger in this. Do I love all of this? Because God is receiving the glory, or do I love all of this because it actually makes me feel better about myself? All of us long for significance. There is nobody, there is nobody that doesn't want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And when Jesus, the miracle worker, shows up, man, you, get, you can become attracted to the spectacular results. And sometimes you're attracted to, be, to those spectacular results because it actually makes you feel better about yourself. That's exactly what's happening here. They welcomed him, but they didn't want to have any part to do with him. Another reason is like, you know, it's another reason why we're attracted to Jesus and miracle workers is just because we are desperate for solutions. I am reminded, I am very, very aware of this, that in this room this morning and, and even online, there are big, desperate needs that people have in their lives. There are marriages that are on the brink. There are real life and death health concerns. There are some who are struggling with mental health issues. Some are under spiritual attack. Others of you are feeling the economic uncertainty, the strain that's playing place on your life. And, and I get it, man. Like I, I'm like you. I'm attracted sometimes to Jesus, a miracle worker, because, I, because sometimes I just need Jesus to fix this. And I am so glad that we serve a Savior that's compassionate, that he hears our cries and he sees us in our times of affliction and that he cares deeply for the ones that he loves. But I have seen in my own life, I've seen in my own life how quickly my relationship with Jesus can digress to Jesus just becoming a problem solver or just being a provider or just somebody who's there to make my life better. 
Sometimes we're attracted. The official was attracted to that. The official that comes to Jesus is attracted to Jesus, the miracle worker. Why? Because he was desperate. He needed a miracle. Do you see in verse 46? And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. I mean, he was desperate. He lived in Capernaum, 26 and a half kilometers from Cana. And he heard, the miracle worker's back, and his son is dying. And so he hightails it to Cana to see Jesus. He shows up in person. He's an official. He's part of, uh, of, of Herod's, probably Herod's uh, courtyard. And he's an important, very important official, important person in that, in that rulership. And so he's involved. He showed up. And then he says he came in person and he asked Jesus in verse 47. That word ask means it, he made this persistent request. He begs of Jesus. He pleads with Jesus. Why? Because his son is at the point of death. It's imminent. It's certain. And so he asks Jesus, the miracle worker, to physically come with him back to his town and into his home to heal his son. He's desperate, and so he's attracted to Jesus, the miracle worker. Jesus is the miracle worker. But he's more than just a miracle worker. And this is why Jesus responds the way that he does. And I just want you to see this, that, that Jesus wants to be more than your miracle worker. Look at verses 48 through 50. So Jesus responds to this, and he says to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. Jesus wants to be more than your miracle worker. He wants you to have a deeper belief in him. So Jesus does what he always does. What he always does when he wants you to see him for who he truly is, he confronts our sin. That's exactly what he's doing in John chapter 4, verse 48. Jesus confronts sin. He says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. These are challenging words, and they are, but they are also grace-filled words. Some of you are saying, man, those sound really harsh to me. I mean, this man's just poured out his whole heart. He's poured out his whole life to this guy. right? And Jesus responds with this, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. You see, these are, these are not just challenging words. They are also grace-filled words because Jesus wants to do something miraculous in this man's life. He wants to transform his heart. And so to do that, he confronts him with his sin. Not only does he confront this man with his sin, but he also confronts everybody else who's there watching this happen. You see the word you in verse 48? two times it's used, it's a plural you. It's not like, unless, you're not just talking to the official, he is talking to the official, but he's also talking to everyone else that's there. You can read it like this, unless you all see signs and wonders, you all won't believe. That's 
really what it means. You all, you all won't believe. Unless you all see signs and wonders and miracles, y'all won't believe. That's their problem. They're only seeing Jesus as a miracle worker. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I want you to believe something much more important about me than this. And so he confronts them. He confronts the sin of just seeking after signs when they should be seeking after a Savior. He confronts them longing for a miracle instead of longing for a Messiah. He confronts them of being so result-oriented that they actually miss the person of Jesus, and he wants them to see that they need to believe that he alone is sufficient. That's what's happening. When I think about my own life, I think, you know, what's, what's the litmus test for me in my own life to think about whether I'm just approaching Jesus as a miracle worker and, and not something more, something deeper. What is it? And I can't think of anything else other than my prayer life. I think about my prayer life. And, you know, some of you probably have pray every day. Some of you, maybe you don't pray every day. I know everybody in this room, you pray when crisis hits, right? We all pray then. I think about my prayer life. Is my prayer life only a list of things and needs to be met by Jesus? As important and as, as much as God wants to hear those things and loves to hear those things from us, but is that it? Is that all, is that all I'm here for? Is Jesus like a, like a vending machine to me? I just come to him when I have a need and I just kind of, I, I pray and in it goes and I'm hoping that the solution will drop out. Or do, I, or do I see him something more? Do I see him truly as a savior, the one who has died for me, that my life is full of the grace of Jesus Christ from start to finish? And as I'm praying, I'm not just asking for things, I'm actually praising him and worshiping him and, and loving him and, and resting in him. And oh man, I long for that. verse 49, the official just, he just cries out for mercy. He says, Lord, sir, come down. Sir, come down before my child dies. And then Jesus, on the heels of confronting the sin, he also creates a crisis. When he says this in verse 50, Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. That's it. Go, your son will live. And remember, he came to Jesus and he wanted Jesus to come with him. Jesus, you need to come with me. Why? Because he, his perception of Jesus, the miracle worker, was that Jesus had to be there. He had to be present. He had to actually do something. He had to be there and perform the miracle in the place. So he's saying, Jesus, you, know, you need to come with me. Come with me to heal my son. Jesus instead says, no, I'm not coming. He just says, go. You go. That's what he says. You go. You go, and, and, and your, your son will live. Instead of giving himself, Jesus gives him a promise. He gives him his word, and it creates 
a little bit of a tension and a crisis. I mean, this is decision time for this guy now. He has to make a decision at, in this moment. I mean, if he refuses to go with Jesus, without Jesus, right, he's expressing a lack of faith in Jesus. If he goes without Jesus, if he does go without Jesus, he's lacking certainty because he believes that the miracle worker has to be with him, has to actually be present. So he had to decide. He had to decide. Am I, am I, do I only believe in this Jesus as, as a miracle worker or do I believe in the Jesus to the point where I can actually trust his words? You see, when you believe in Jesus and his words, he becomes more than just a miracle worker. He actually becomes your savior. Look at what it says in verse 50. I love this, the second part of verse 50. Jesus says, him, go your summer live. And then it says this, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. He believed. He believed. Jesus has confronted his sin, and Jesus creates this crisis of faith. And what does he do? He believed. He believed. One moment he was thinking, Jesus is just, this is his idea of what the miracle worker is like, and now all of a sudden he's willing to trust in Jesus and his word. He believes. He believes that there's no limits to the power of Jesus' words. He had to come to that conclusion that somehow distance was not an issue. Whether it was 25 and a half kilometers, it could have been 250,000 kilometers. He has to believe that distance is not a problem. And he believed it wasn't a problem. He had to believe that Jesus' presence with him was not an issue anymore. And he actually believed. He believed his word. And this is exactly what happened in Sychar. Do you remember the town I taught you, told you about, the revival where the revival broke out in John chapter 4? Actually, just, just keep your hand, your finger right here. Just go back a few verses. Look at John chapter 4, verse 39. We're going back to that Samaritan town now because this is so important for us to understand what's happening in our story. It says in verse 39 that many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Remember that? Remember how Jesus is at the, at the well with the woman and he reveals everything about her life. And she goes, she just goes and tells everybody. I can't believe, I met this guy who knows everything about my life. And so they start to believe. But then it says in verse 40, so when the Samaritans actually came to him, they asked him to stay with him and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know now that this is indeed the Savior of the world. And what was true in Sychar is now true in the official's life. It's true. Revival broke out in Sychar, not because of the miracles of Jesus, but because of Jesus' word. And they believed in Jesus' word. They believed in him as a savior of the world. And just as revival broke out in their town when they heard the words of Jesus and they believed by faith in that word too, revival now is about to break out in this guy's home. See verse 51? And as he was going down, 
His servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour. They tell me, what time did he start to get better? And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. Revival time. Why? Because they, he believed in his word. He believed in who Jesus was, and they believed his word. What's the greater miracle? That the son lived or that Jesus brought life and salvation to the whole house and to the whole town? Sychar. Jesus uses this miracle to confirm who he is. And when you believe in Jesus and you believe his word, you take him at his word, it results in life. Because he is the Christ, because he is the Son of God, because he is the Savior of the world. Believe in him, believe his words. And on behalf of King Jesus, I invite you this morning to believe in Jesus and his words. He is so much more than a miracle worker. He is your savior. You believe in him when you believe his word, when you take him at his word, when, when you believe that his promises are true, when you believe that life comes, that salvation comes, that revival comes through him and his words. Believe in his words. You know, one of the conversations that Jesus had before he came to Cana the second time was with a guy named Nicodemus, a Pharisee. And Jesus had said to him, said to uh, Nicodemus, you know, you must be born again. And he's going, what are you talking about? You must be born again. Well, you know, you, know, you need to be born of the Spirit. And he's going, what are you talking about? Like I, and Jesus said, well, how come you don't understand what I'm talking about? You're a Pharisee. You're supposed to understand these things. And then he said these words to him in John chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. He said, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Believe his words. Jesus would be lifted up. He would be lifted up on a cross, and he would pay the penalty for our sins. He would die on the cross for us so that we could gain forgiveness from God himself. God would graciously give us forgiveness, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done. And even as he was lifted up, if we just believe in him, we would have eternal life, right? We believe in him. We should not perish, but we will have eternal life. Eternal life. Life forever with the Lord in heaven, the new heavens, the new earth. Not hell, new heavens, new earth. Believe his words. One of the other conversations he had on the way back to Cana was with the woman at the well. Remember? In John chapter 4, we see these words. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Remember they were talking about water? He stopped at the well and they were drinking water together. And he says, everyone who drinks of this water, the physical water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Never thirsty again. Never thirsty again. 
The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know, this woman, this woman was dealing with lots of emptiness in her life, an emptiness that needed to be fulfilled. She was looking for satisfaction in all of the wrong places. She had multiple relationships with men. And Jesus was reminding her, was reminding her that if you want satisfaction, if you want that emptiness filled, there's only one way that you can get it, and that's in me. Believe his words. We all need more than a miracle worker, man. We need a savior, and his name is Jesus. Believe in him and believe in his words and receive life. Father, let's, let's just pray together. Father, I just want to pray right now, and I ask, in your name, that you would bring salvation to this place. Bring faith. Give faith. Give the gift of faith. Father, we'll be able to see many people today turn their lives over to you because Jesus is their Savior. Bring faith that brings repentance and confession. Father, may that lead to uh, just an abundance of forgiveness for to see the forgiveness of God given us in our life through the grace uh, that is found in Jesus Christ. A new life, a revived life. Oh, that revival would break out in our town, in our homes. Yes, Lord, Jesus is a miracle worker, but he's so much more. He's our Savior. And may this move us to an act of full-out worship of you, Father. Please, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.